Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Space Junk Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Hanma, and today we are totally surrendering to the COVID lockdown craziness and bringing you an episode that's just a lot of fun. This episode was recorded before the lockdowns began, back when COVID was just a twinkle in a bat's eye. But I did a director's cut edit more recently, and due to my locked down madness, I left in far more of the silliness than I ordinarily would. This has resulted in a messier and longer episode than usual. Joined by Kane and Tal from the phenomenal Aussie podcast, Movies with Kane and Tal, we consume junk food while talking about a film that can only be called junk cinema, the 1964 cult classic, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. If you watched the ABC program, Employable Me, last year, you might remember Kane, who identifies as being on the autism spectrum and who channels his talents into watching and reviewing hundreds of movies a year. Natalia Bai, also known as Tal, is an Aboriginal Australian woman and mother of two, who also runs a fantastic podcast called Australian History, Journals of the Early Explorers. I'm going to flag up front that there are some adult themes and strong language in this episode, and also that while Santa Claus Conquers the Martians was originally billed as a children's movie, I would not, under any circumstances, suggest that you show it to your kids. It's truly horrifyingly bad. In other news, if you'd like to hear some stories about Soviet research stations going missing in Antarctica and what this has to do with the settlement of the moon, you might like to sign up for the RMIT online conference slash webinar, Property Rights and Real Estate Interests in Outer Space, which is running from 8.30am to 4.30pm Eastern Australia time on Friday the 1st of May. I'll be speaking in the mid-morning session, and the conference also features past and future podcast guests, Professor Stephen Freeland and Associate Professor Alice Gorman. If you want more space content, head over to my YouTube channel. I've been blown away by the response from my space colleagues all around the world, and I'm putting out a video interview every day or two, so there's lots of interesting stuff to look at. And the final bit of news is that this podcast got too big for its boots, and so I've decided to move it from Wooshka to Fireside. Thanks to Space Junk Pod Patreon and listener Murray for his suggestion. This shouldn't impact you as there'll be redirects in place, but if you do encounter technical issues, please let me know. My email is thespacejunkpod at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok as at Annie Handma. Enjoy this episode. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Okay, Houston, we've had a problem here. This is Houston, say again, please. Uh, Houston, we've had a problem. I am here sitting around my dining table with the wonderful Kane and Natalia, who you may know from their podcast, Movies with Kane and Tal. Kane and Natalia, let's let's start with Natalia. Um, do you prefer Natalia or Tal? Oh, I'll answer to either. I'll answer to Nutella, Natalie, Natasha. Excellent. <laughs> so, so I'm going to ask you to uh, introduce yourself because my listeners on Space Junk Podcast may not have heard of your brilliant podcast. What? I know. Uh, very difficult to follow. I know. I mean, really, they're living upside down. It's true. So tell me about you. Sure. Um, my name's Natalia. 
and I started podcasts. I think I was having a midlife crisis. <laughs> frankly, mm-hmm. but um, that's not what you asked me. You just asked me to introduce myself. I'm Talia. I'm forty. I've two kids. I'm a stay-at-home mum. Um, I'd like to say that it gets a little bit more interesting than that, but it doesn't mean. I'm sure it will as we go through the podcast. We had this really funny moment where um, I'd been emailing Natalia back and forth for months organising this podcast and she finally saw me in the flesh and was really surprised because apparently based on my email um, manner and tone, she'd assumed that I was some retired professor. And so she looked at me and was like, holy shit, I'm recording a podcast with a child. (laughs) (laughs) I'm used to that. (laughs) Which brings us to Kane. Kane, what's your deal? Um, I'm I feel really sad that I have to try and figure out how old I am. Um, <laughs> it's not good for numbers. Uh, twenty four years old. Um, live at home with folks. Something like three to five siblings on any given day. Um, been sort of you know discussing film, analyzing films since about twenty ten. That's when I got bit by the critical bug been writing reviews on my own blog since 2014, October 2014, and been doing this podcast with Tiles for a couple months now. Mm. And yeah, I'm, I'm just someone who loves film, loves talking about film, loves annoying people with how much I like talking about film, which Tali is more than familiar with by this point. Okay, but you love film so much. I mean, how many reviews are we up to now that you've written? Um, on the blog itself, I hit the thousand mile mark um, late last year, and um, uh, and uh, and along with that, I've got um, reviews I've written up for Filmic Magazine, which definitely adds to that number. And yeah, just like on and off, I've been doing you know, a couple of podcasts, used to YouTube videos, until I realised that my approachy editing made it way too long to get things finished <laughs> so I'm just like you know just like dash things out on the keyboard it's like this is so much easier right. so I've, I've been doing that for a few years now okay okay very good and I mean I was listening to your other to your podcast not your other podcast your podcast and Ken you said that last year you watched an obscene number of movies oh yeah um hit, hit the um the 200 mark. that 200 new release films yeah which is well yeah, generally what I've been aiming for the last couple of years. Okay, so do your days, do you watch a film every day? Pretty much. Some days two, some days three if I'm feeling really motivated, but <laughs> yeah. That to me is astonishing. I find I can watch maybe one film in a week, otherwise I just sort of get, you know when you're watching a movie and you just get wrapped up in the world of that movie and then you start to see everything like it's that movie? I find particularly with Wes Anderson, if you watch too much Wes uh, Anderson, yeah, and, it uh, really absolutely. messes with your it's head. Like, I don't remember my house looking like a doll's house when I left. <laughs> right, and suddenly, like, I'm only directly symmetrical in every visual shot that I make. Yeah, Just, and, and, and to really, like, that on its own, like, you know, watching 200 new movies a year, I'd argue isn't that much of an accomplishment. Well, in comparison, at least to the fact that I write about every new movie I watch, and... Up until like a year or two ago, I used to have a thousand word minimum self-imposed mandate on my review, so I had to write at least that much about every movie, which I still have no idea why the hell I thought that was a good idea. It's like I like it's like it's like writing essays for school. It's like just 
And I'm like, I was supposed to get that far. He's <laughs> adding words to yeah, get the yeah, word exactly. <laughs> so thank you for you do that tonight for the people who do read my stuff aren't nearly as bored to tears as they were before. <laughs> and how did you guys get into making a podcast? Tal, did you, I mean, how did you and Kane decide to do a podcast together? Well, well Tal's is a um, friend of the family. Uh-huh. Um, she's known my mother pretty much since forever, probably. Yeah. Known me for as long as I've lived. And she, um, she had like, um, I think like a podcast, like in the works beforehand, but it, um, something happened and like got cancelled, I suppose. And and you have like a free spot, and you need, you know, you need something to fill in that time. And you're like, hey, I've got this. I know someone who's got an insanely obsessive hobby. I can milk <laughs> for what it's worth. <laughs> that's um, that's probably eighty. Five percent of the story. <laughs> I think. Um, I think mainly I was looking for something to do outside of my kids and outside of working. Um, I'm I'm a musician. Um, I write. I've written a lot of songs. I like writing, but I found that some creative pursuits post having children were um, more difficult in terms of just getting your head to just transition from into like creative mode mm. so I think with podcasting um, what I realised was that I could dip in and out of it quite easily and not have to de- devote so much of my kind of self um, if, if that makes sense to it mm. and because I love watching movies anyway um, I thought that that would be an easy kind of one to do but also I knew that Kane as, as you mentioned was, was very um prolific shall we say in his movie watching already and so I knew it wasn't going to be a difficult task for him to watch mm. you know maybe an extra movie a week or just to to sit down every fortnight and talk to me about movies so I had started this kind of history podcast but it all kind of fell apart um and so I just emailed Kane one day and said hey do you want to make a podcast and he wrote back yeah sure <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Beautiful. So that was the beginning of that, and then we just started, pretty much. And I love the simplicity of your um, the, the title of your podcast. It's just movies with Kane and Tal. It's it's great. It's fantastic. It says what it is. We, we, we had quite a bit of an issue with that title initially. Mm. Like initially, I think it was like Spectrum. Mm. The one was because well. Might have been partly because I am on the autism spectrum, mm-hmm. but also because um, at the end of each um, movie we highlight, we usually do it on a scale between something ridiculous, something else ridiculous, right. kind of thing. <laughs> where does this fall? Yeah. yeah, where does this fall? But like after a while, like, it came kind of like um, a bit arduous coming up with those comparisons. That was definitely one problem, but the other problem was that it was about 68 podcasts called Spectrum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I went, Having no idea about the podcast kind of world and the industry, I guess, I didn't um, – I thought that they were kind of searchable and that people would go on to, like, Apple Podcasts and kind of search movies or whatever if they felt like listening to mm. So I thought, if we call it Movies with Kane and Tal, it's just going to come up. That's the first thing that, you know, if somebody types in movies, it doesn't, firstly. Yeah. <laughs> Secondly, yeah. people don't search for podcasts. 90% of the podcasts that get listened to have been recommended by somebody else. Mm. So it's not like people go sit down and go, what should I listen to a podcast? Maybe I'd like to listen to a podcast about movie reviews and search for it. It just doesn't work like that. But Google is indexing. 
mm-hmm. podcasts now, and they're actually uh, listening to the whole thing and taking out all the keywords out of it. And so I have another podcast which is called Australian History Journals of the Early Explorers. And if you type in any kind of combination of that, my podcast will actually come up in the Google search on the first page as a resource if you were looking at the right. journals. So if you're looking at Sir Thomas Mitchell's journals, that would come up. But they haven't quite got to the point where entertainment ones have kind of um, come through in that. Um, but yours will probably end up. Well, I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. I've been in a standoff for the last two years with someone, a couple of guys who made a podcast also called Space Junk. Really? And oh, I so I, I started my podcast in like October 2018, I think. Mm-hmm. And was it then? Anyway, it was sometime around then. And a month later they started theirs and they called it Space Junk Podcast. And their one is about amateur astronomy, whereas mine's about nonsense. And and their one one was really interesting because it – so I think – I I like to think that mine's the original, but because they put out content – at an alarming rate. I mean, they put out hour-long podcasts almost daily, which astonishes me. And so they have no, such... I, 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 can, I can already see, uh, like, that looking at like, oh, please do not ask me to do that. To right. <laughs> and so for ages, if you if you searched up Space Junk Podcast, their one came up first. And I had to be like, no, it's not that one. It's the other one with the purple logo, like, all of this stuff. Um, yeah, but I do right. think we may have reached a point where mine begins to come up first. Well, collaborative name brand value of you know teaming up with this spaz over here might help push things over the edge. <laughs> Local celebrity, <laughs> absolutely. Local douchebag. Oh, I mean, look. Let's let's talk a minute about our experience. I was on TV once as a an extra. I was an extra in Home and Away when I was in first year and second year uni. Was wow. my job. So somewhere there is footage of me. Yeah. And well, that is so we, that is a brush of fame. A, yeah. We we could have And a, somewhere there's footage of what, what was it, the left midriff left or something? Bottom part of my midriff. Really? Yes. From from when? Standing behind Morpheus in the Matrix reloaded. Were you in that? Yes, I chomped on her way to see. Oh my god, that's astonishing! <laughs> yeah, look, I'm bottom of the pack here. And um, I appeared once on SBS Inside. I was on the show with Global Me, which is basically the reason why I'm running for places like filmmaker now. Mm-hmm. And some people might have seen me completely shitting myself at the Logies because of Global <laughs> Me. <laughs> Did you enjoy being on that? Um. Well, aside from the fact that you know it's because of them I got in contact with filming. It kind of like something I needed to do at that time, just like you know, be that you know that voice of just like, hey, I'm not the only weirdo out there. Let's you know, a bit of solidarity. Let's show that we actually have worth in this place. Sure, sure. I actually had a little bit to do with that show. Um, at the time, I was working up at the Department of Premier and Cabinet on the NDIS reforms and oh, I was right, oh. right so I was on the team I, I wasn't working on the show but I was doing the negotiations for the funding agreements between the states and the commonwealth about basically how you fund the NDIS um, so I was really on like the financial negotiations bit but also on my team was like the media outreach people 
Um, and they were involved, I think, with the facts team and doing some stuff with that show. So I heard about it being made, but um, yeah, it was it was a really. I mean, it did very well. Yeah, seems to have. Obviously, due to the star power. Oh, <laughs> I mean, they didn't get your your left lower no, midriff. That's true. Or me in I, school uniform. I think everyone. But. I think everyone who saw Employable Me is thankful that they didn't catch my midriff. Heads for sale. And on that note, let's talk about space. Yes. Um, space. Obviously, I do some stuff with that. But do you guys have anything? Like any thoughts about space? What do you what do you, what comes to mind? Well, um, at, at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, science fiction and you know, speculative fiction is basically my bread and butter. Mm. And well, aside from like you know, space background being the predominant thing on my blog, mm. which put there for a reason, let's say, I do I, I do find that there's you know so many things that can be done with you know space in a more you know creative storytelling. Space, I'd say. <laughs> it is so difficult to find words that aren't space to describe the space space. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and especially, um, like, seeing what people thought, like, space and you know, future technology mm-hmm. was going to be, like, back in the 20s or the 40s or, as is the case with the first film we'll be talking about today, the 60s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my... I've got nothing. <laughs> like, it's just... Wasn't it your idea to go on this podcast? No, no, <laughs> no I was, I I was aggressive in my um, yeah. right. okay. recruitment. She <laughs> I sent an email and I said, do you want to be on my podcast? Oh, I was, no, you butted me up. You butted me up big time. I was so excited. I was dancing around the room and I got that email. Oh, that's so nice. And my husband was going to bed. I was like, I've got a fan. I've got fans for his email. Your podcast is amazing. Oh, and I um, the first one I listened to was the Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas oh, yeah. episode. Oh, yes. And oh. I loved that so much. It was just incredible. And I was like, I need these people on my podcast. So I think we were getting into our groove there. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, mostly at the, like these days I have my kids asking me lots of questions about space. And um, so my husband is a spatial scientist. So when I met him, he, I said, what do you do? And he said, I'm a spatial scientist. And I just looked at him. He said, space is in like, and he moved his hands like around us, as in like space, the space mm. of um, maps and the, and the earth, not space, <laughs> like waving his hands in the air. So... I'm always directing kids to him, even though he's not a space space scientist, but he is a scientist. He has a much more scientific brain than mine. I, For me, space is like this truly um, unknown mm-hmm. thing, and I don't understand any of it, even to the point where I struggle sometimes with movies about space because I'm like, I don't get it. Right. I don't understand how it all works. I don't understand how we can go out there. I don't understand how spaceships work, like any of that stuff. And some kids are really, really interested in it. And they ask me all the time, Mommy, I want to learn about space. I'm like, cool, here's a book. <laughs> <laughs> here's a, here, watch some movies. Here's Star Wars. And talk to your dad. So um, while I'm, I'll, I'm fascinated by it, and recently, um, and the reason that the very first podcast started is because I read a book called Dark Emu 
Yes. Uh, by Bruce Pascoe. And the, the, the thing about Dark Emu is that Indigenous people in Australia looked at the space between stars, not the actual stars. They were their kind of constellation. So it was like a reverse um, of, of the, I guess, the traditional Western kind of idea of, of astronomy. So that I found really fascinating because I'm Aboriginal. So that, for me, that was like kind of mind blowing. And that's how I started looking into the journals mm. like Sir Thomas Mitchell and whatnot. Um, which come up regularly through his book. So, and I'm wondering, um, anyway, that's by the way. So that's my, that's for space. Space for me is like this just complete unknown and really quite fascinating but just uh, over my head kind of thing. Yeah. Well, literally. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a lot of questions for you, especially when we get to my movie. Okay. All right. Well. That brings us to the movies. We have chosen. We um, we don't don't yeah. lump us into the okay. same category. Uh, as him. Uh, 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 just, Kane has chosen a movie, and me and Natalia agreed on the other one. Okay, uh, 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 just, um, the, the way that um, movies with Kane and Tal usually goes is that mm-hmm. I suggest a movie that's more recent, uh-huh. and Tal's comes up with a movie that's older but tangentially related. Although our roles kind of reversed here because mm. um, while well, you picked a fairly Honorable prestige kind of space movie. <laughs> I went for like just for um comparison's sake, just so listeners know who they're dealing with. Later on, um, we're going to deal with um Natalia's um pick, which is Interstellar. But for right now, we're dealing with my pick, which is the nineteen sixty four classic Santa Claus. Santa Claus conquers the Martians. Okay. Okay. Now. I'm just going to say for listeners, to give this movie the full respect it deserves, we will be eating chips throughout this. So mm-hmm. if you hear crunches, Kane, do you want to demonstrate a crunch? Okay. There we go. Perfect. Um, if you hear crunches or the sound of us pouring more solo into glasses, mm. um, look, it really fits with the vibe of this movie, I think. Um, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kane, um, can I please ask you to explain for us why you made us watch this absolutely surprising film. All right, well, for, for starters, when you brought, um, when Tali said, you know, you need to pick a space movie, I'm like, well, I don't want to pick something anyone else would, basically. And, so and, you. and I do have kind of a bradish way of, you know, mm-hmm. picking movies on our thing. I mean, I'm basically the reason we ended up looking at stuff like, you know, Australia mm-hmm. and the subject of our next episode which will be interesting (laughs) but also because like this film specifically actually does have quite a bit to do with i guess my own background as a film critic in in its own way it's like um this film which is like all kinds of 60s kitsch was way back in the 90s covered by this tv show called mystery science theater 3000 have you ever heard of I had after I did some research on this film. Oh, really? And that show is basically the progenitor of pretty much every single film critic that I watched in the 2010s. Uh They got me to where I am today. That same sort of like very snarky, you know, let's make fun of movies as we watch them kind of (laughs) mentality, which, you know, is kind of embedded in, you know, pretty much my cultural, well, my critical DNA at the very least. Mm. And, and and also because I am a very big advocate when it comes to 
watching movies that entertain you regardless of how they entertain you. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it's, you know, stuff that, like, legitimately moves you and makes you actually, you know, feel something genuine and touches on the human condition. Or if it's just the laughing scene. <laughs> like, I was I was actually warned about that specific moment in Santa Claus Conquest the Martians, and I still was not prepared for just how <laughs> creepy that moment terrifying. was. Terrifying, so terrifying. <laughs> um, okay, so I'm gonna insert the the, the, the trailer for the film here, mm-hmm. so that'll happen. Mm-hmm. It's Santa Claus conquers the Martians in space blazing color too. You'll be shocked when you see Santa get kidnapped by evil aliens. So is a mountain. Santa Claus, you're coming with us. You'll cry when he's forced to make toys for spoiled Martian brats. That's automation for you. You'll cheer when brave Earth kids fight to free Santa Claus. I warned you that these Earthlings are dangerous. They'll destroy us if we allow them. All this and lots more in Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. Um, yeah. What What is this film? It, describe. <laughs> I mean, do you want to sum it up? Try and either um, of you give it a little well, summary? Well, the, it, it's one of those, like, high concept, the title tells you most of what you need to know. It, it's basically about um, Martian children um, who watch too much Earth TV. Uh-huh. And who, and suddenly all the young, the elders decide, like, you know, that these kids need to, you know, be, have fun again, actually be kids, because they have, like, all their education beamed into their heads, basically. So a couple of Martians decide to kidnap Santa Claus and bring him to Mars so he can do the same thing there. And hijinks ensue. <laughs> There's really no other way to put it. It's, it's It really is that chintzy and you can clearly tell it was made I, I kind of say it was made on a strict budget it was made on no budget zero budget none at all I mean they certainly didn't waste money hiring actors <laughs> <laughs> well, well um, that, that, that that is definitely a fair point although I did find it kind of funny that um the the little um Martian girl um spray the, tan hello um, what was that <laughs> It was like a green spray tan as well. Yeah, um, uh, that Martian girl specifically, um, played by this actress, um, Pia Zadora, who oh, yeah. is bet- probably better known for um, either her brief stint with pop music or in starring in films like The Lonely Lady and Butterfly, which are among some of the more disastrous movies of that era. Right, so we can definitely blame her for the, <laughs> the train wreck that is this movie. Well, 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 not so much blame her for it as much as you can easily see how bad her own career would go knowing that it started here <laughs> with just... <laughs> it really is the kind of film that you can only imagine happening in the 60s. It really is. I, it's... it's, it's um. Although I reckon Adam Sandler would do a fairly solid remake of this. He would be, um, <laughs> oh god, what's his name? Um, the, oh uh, god, why am I forgetting? The evil him? one? No, not the evil one, the one who thought he could be Santa Claus. Oh, oh, um, I don't actually know his proper name, but it sounded like Troppo. Droppo? Droppo. Droppo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Droppo. Adam Sandler would make a pretty good Droppo, but that <laughs> statement itself is more an insult to Sandler than anything else. Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't. Yeah, we'd watch Murder <laughs> Mystery. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but it's... Well, 
it wasn't that long ago that I worked out that Martians were aliens from Mars. I didn't get that Martians. Oh. I didn't know there was a distinction between a general alien and a Martian. Got it, got it, got it. And, and that is an important and distinction and in this film. And by extension, the distinction between a Martian and a marshmallow. Yeah. That, that, that was like the only point where it's like, it felt like, wow, you guys actually wrote that. <laughs> Everything else just felt like, say whatever, go with it. Mm, it, did. Mm. it was almost like you guys put these um, head pieces on and just go and do Martian-y stuff. I yeah. honestly wonder which one came first. I wonder if it was those costumes or the Martian doll that came first. So like they just randomly found that like a thrift shop and just went, we good need question. to turn this into costumes. Good yeah, question. that is a good question. I didn't find that in my research. No, um, I did zero research. I did feel that the costumes, like to me, the whole film was basically a bunch of aging men mm. wearing off-brand Star Trek like seconds <laughs> actually, in the costumes. Actually, considering how low bonus Star Trek was at the time, yeah. they probably would have been about the same. Yeah. About as convincing. Yeah. Um, basically <laughs> selling a message of consumerism, which was then the, the counterpoint was this real sort of make Mars great again perspective yes. coming through from pop culture. Wow. Yeah, like. Where, where do you want to start in unpacking this? Because there is so much to talk about. Just, well, the way we generally work is just whatever springs to mind first. Like, the. Um, um, the audience won't be able to see this, but I honestly do have to make it this big. Polar bear. Oh my god, the polar bear! Is that like it was like a massive version of Big Ted from the old version of Play School? Mm. And it was, it was, it was okay. So it was a guy wearing like a fur suit. I assume a guy only because this is such a male I, movie, but um, it could have been a woman. It, Don't let me figure out. Thankfully, the guy who portrayed him is. Um, Although not officially credited in the film itself, is brought up there. So yeah, it is a guy under that suit, I, under that uh, astoundingly cheap, like not even Star Trek would touch it suit. Oh, it's like the sort of thing you get from the costume, like from a costume two dollar store. After everything else has already been bought, right? <laughs> you yeah. can like you can see the Velcro bits that are closing up. The little <laughs> and you see how the head is like tilted in just such a way where it's like there's no actual bone structure supporting this thing. <laughs> you can actually see the 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 guy in the suit. You can actually see his eyes through the eyes of the polar bear suit at one point. Yeah, it doesn't feel like the filmmakers were too fussed about um, really trying to convince us that this was Mars and that these were Martians and that any of this and that, and, had any And that's only because, it, like, as per my understanding, this film was basically made as, you know, Yuletide, you know, science fiction. And, uh, specifically aimed at kids, which it, it merely leads to... That's scary. Well, honestly, I don't find it as much scary as I do kind of infuriating because it's another one of those instances where it's like, you know, you're making a film for kids... And because kids, you know, will apparently swallow anything you mm. give them, mm. that gives you free license to not try. Yeah. Which no, it's rude. I don't know. I don't know. After seeing stuff like <laughs> Toy Story Three, mm. which even for adults is like really damn dark and depressing, I'm like, mm. yeah, you can't use that as an excuse anymore, guys. You're just lazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I think my main kind of, um, I mean, 
I would say weirdness and there's so much weirdness going on in this movie but what bothered me I guess the most it is not the bad costumes and not the bad or lack of real plot line or dialogue or anything kind of resembling remotely resembling an actual film is that the Martians themselves just seem to be humans who lived on Mars Yes. Do you yes. know what I mean? Like, okay, but I actually have a theory here that okay. this might be secretly brilliant. Wow! Wow! Yeah, really? usually I'm the one who comes forward and stuff like that, so I'm interested to hear this. Okay, so I think it's possible that this is a commentary on the far future of humanity. This is not set in 1964. I think it's possible it's set in like 2264, where you have a bunch of people who've been sent to Mars to colonize it, uh-huh. and this is what happens when you have a society that's an outpost on Mars. They go a bit batty. They get like really emotionless because it's a bunch of people. I mean, they've picked a bunch of people who want to go and live on Mars for the rest of their life and like form a colony. So they're going to be those really techie types who sign up for Mars One type stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're not going to value things like Santa Claus. And it's really a tale of, I think, the naive rendering the, the lack of costume, the lack of set, the lack of plot, the lack of good dialogue, all of that is there to draw attention to the fact that this is a raw story about the human spirit and capitalism prevailing at all costs. <laughs> I, I, I have to admit, I did definitely read some of that into it, like, especially since I did end up watching the, the MST3K version of this movie, which came with its own riffing and its own... And um, the, the, um, <laughs> and the, the characters on that show did bring up quite a bit of stuff in regards to you know, capitalism and you know, how they kind of overridden mm. the actual, you know, the team's reason for the season or whatever such stuff. Mm. And But honestly, like, the main thing I pulled away from it, like, aside from just how, what, all of it pretty <laughs> much is, the main thing I got out of it was, well, you know, the reason why Santa Claus was, you know, dragged, kicking and screaming to Mars in the first place. That whole, because from my understanding, when it comes to, like, you know, depictions of Martians in science fiction, like, not just on film, but, like, you know, mm. all forms of fiction, it they, they, there is a certain, like, warrior culture um, thing that gets, like, attached to them, you know, sort of like that, that kind of Cleon Us kind of thing. Them, yeah, yeah, kind of, which... Admittedly, the whole, you know, warrior culture shtick for alien races is really tired at this stage. Like, yeah. it seems like all of them are like that. Uh, sure. And comparing that with what the um, the elder was saying mm. in regards to, you know, let them be kids, let them have fun, let them actually enjoy being kids. <laughs> in that long scene where, like, like, you make it sound as though this is a good scene. It's not. There's it, some, it really is There's, like, some fake really I, was about to, I was about to say, it's so distracting the way... The, the way his, his voice his voice so distracting it's like I can't pay and attention to your message because you're just so weird. he's this really old dude they wake up by yelling at him a bunch and then he's like <laughs> and then there's like sort of a fog machine going and he's just this really old guy standing there in really bad makeup yeah, just, just, sort of Croaking as if he's smoked a pack of cigarettes every hour on the hour for his entire life this, this, this old sage who, who has like a Yiddish name that no one can pronounce properly on screen, and immediately I can't either. So. Was it to- Tochem or uh, Yochem or something? Right, and, but uh, they say it incorrectly yeah, on the thing. Exactly. Yeah. 
It's just, and admittedly, I'm really, um, when I get into discussing films, sometimes I do feel like I'm picking up on stuff that no one else does. <laughs> but I, and especially, you know, like with what I was saying in regards to, you know, the, um, the sort of, the self-imposed lack of standards when it comes mm. to, like, you know, f- um, you know, kids' entertainment and stuff like that. I actually do find just a little, just a little sliver of, you know, like, oh, that, that's actually a nice sentiment, you know, you, you know, actually you know, let kids enjoy the one moment in their life where they don't have the responsibilities of grown adults. But it's a really interesting perspective on childhood that I thought was so post-war, this idea that came out in the 50s of, like, this is what a family is, the nuclear family, the mum that stays home, the dad that works, the kids that are kids and play being kids and watch TV and have toys and that sort of um, And when you think about most of the TV thing. shows of that time, like the Sullivans and all those kinds of family unit, very... Even lost yeah. in space. Dad, yeah. yeah, or even Two the kids. Disney, you know, um, Disney produced those films on rockets with Werner Von Braun in them, which I assumed was being parodied in this film. Parodied might be a strong word. <laughs> I'm not sure it was done with any sort of comedic intent, but with the um, Professor Werner von Green, who appeared in this film. Well, 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 well admittedly, there is some kind of connection to Disney because, well, you know, um, you know the producer of Santa Claus Congress of Martians sort of, um, you know, brought up Disney as kind of like, you know, the one company that has like the monopoly on kids' entertainment and outside of them, as there isn't that much else that kids can really call their own, which reading up on that today mm. is a little prophetic, mm. considering, you know, how you know, twenty nineteen is basically the year that Disney jumped the shark. Mm-hmm. Mm. It, it, and and again that kind of um kind of warps around the whole like central thing of this, you know, Santa Claus, this, you know, the patron saint for children mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But, but at the same time, even though I am like really trying to, you know, push the boat out there in terms of like, you know, the message behind this thing, I heavily doubt the filmmakers even got that far no. because it really felt like they were a little too fixated on just, being weird without even trying to be. Right. They were kind of like, kids will just take it because kids just watch TV and like, we'll just chuck this out there. Mm. Parents will take their kids. It's space. Everyone loves space. It's got rockets. It's got Santa Claus. It's got everything you could possibly want. And they just sort of thought, well, we'll throw it out there and see what sticks. Absolutely. And and admittedly, some things do stick, but they're the kind of things you don't really want to. (laughs) Especially with, and and, and I'm going to come back to it, the laughing scene. Mm. That's the kind of thing that can only come about when you're not aware of what's even happening. It's the same mentality behind, um, there's this, um, um, this old commercial um, I found on YouTube like long, long ago for this um, toy called um, Baby Laugh-A-Lot. Mm. Yep, I remember that. Which registers on the exact same wavelength of just like, it's supposed to be fun because, you know, all these kids are laughing. It's like a really fun toy, but actually watching it it looks like something out of a horror movie yeah. yeah the laughing scene is crazy i might cut it in we have another earth person that wants to see you <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
aspects of like Santa Claus himself specifically like um, <laughs> like for instance um, Mrs. Claus appearing in this that's the Love first it. time it's ever been in a film right? Um, first time it had been in a feature film yeah. yes Mrs. Claus that's the one thing I know about this movie yeah yes and, and then it gets to like I'm done now especially <laughs> with the scene of like the Martians looking down and being like okay we found Santa oh, yeah. oh wait here's another one there's another one there's no another I've got one, one. That would be cute. Although I really would have. Um, this is the kind of film where it honestly feels like it could have gone down this direction if they actually thought that this was just a planet of Santa Clauses. <laughs> like everyone, like we've got, you know, like how most um, like alien civilizations, especially like on you know TV back then, they all dress the same. Yeah. And mm. maybe maybe they would have just thought we all we we have a you know a global uniform. So do they. It's just. Santa's uniform. <laughs> right, right. Uh, it's very possible. Um, I felt that Mrs. Claus was very Mrs. Bennett in, you know, the um, the Colin Firth version of Pride and Prejudice. Oh, wow. Right on. Alison okay. Something's mm-hmm. version of Mrs. Bennett, Mrs. Bennett mm-hmm. is a very Mrs. Claus. Mm-hmm. Like that over-the-top kind of oh, excited thing. Yeah. Oh, the television. Oh, how exciting. Like all of that stuff, I was like, "This is 
Come along, Mr. Claus. I think that she was, I reckon she was directly influenced by that. That is my theory. And until it's proven otherwise. Absolutely. I'm going to maintain she watched this. Set of weirder things. You've heard it here first. That's, yep, that's the theory. Um, can we talk a little bit about those green leggings and the, 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 the bulges? Like, who thought oh, that this was going to be a good costume choice? You've got these men, like, and they're not, you know, they're, they're not, there's no Matt Damon here. Like, they're, <laughs> they're sort of these ageing actors. Yeah, the, and they're oh, wearing a little bit pudgy. A little bit pudgy. There's a little bit of a muffin top, maybe. And so they've the got these... So I can tell if the bulge is, like, more of the fat. Or the right. Fat. And they've got these green leggings. And then someone's clearly been like, oh, look, this is a little bit explicit for a kid's film. So they've put green shorts over the green leggings. Yeah. And it doesn't really help. No. Yeah. It's not good. And admittedly, that, that I think is just part of the, well, the main problem when it comes to, you know, portraying aliens on screen, especially back then, because it definitely had, it still had that Star Trek mentality where it's just like, you know, everyone has, everyone dresses exactly the same all across the globe, which yep. never made any sense mm. as an aesthetic. Mm. And the, the, and especially with tights, um, especially with um, alien species that are like, Distinctly, like you know, different colors, a lot of prosthetic makeup. Although I'm fairly certain none of that was used in here. No, there was a light. There was like a light green sort of spray tan sheen across all of yeah, their faces. So like, close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, makeup done. That was, yeah, yeah, that was pretty much it. And I'm willing to bet that that was just like an uh, well, much like a lot of things in this movie, an unforeseen side effect of what they wound up doing. Especially because in those days the film didn't have the spectrum of colour that we now have when uh. we're shooting film. And obviously it wasn't digital either, so they couldn't really do much to, to change it. And so orange and green, had they had real issues with oranges and greens in, in old films. Mm. And so it's just a whole bunch of the wrong kinds of... Um, the wrong colours. Wrong, wrong, very, so bad. Very, very bad. Can we also discuss the fact that having arrived on the planet and found that they're confused about who is the actual Santa Claus... Yeah. They decide that the solution is to go and kidnap two children. It's always that's always my solution to everything. Right. I don't know what to do. Let's go kidnap some kids. Like this is a kids movie. You <laughs> have these men wearing tight leggings <laughs> to go and kidnap some children from beside a lake. Yeah, it's just and again, like, that, that's what makes movies like this so special because <laughs> there's so many like the actual effect of watching them. It's so. Visceral. It's like, what were they thinking for any of this happen? And the simple answer is, they, they weren't. weren't. No. They weren't. Oh, but they so weren't. I mean, no one, like, did no one sit there in the room and be like, hey guys, should we actually be, like, kidnapping children in this movie? Just, well, well, and, well, like, here's the weird thing. What, but, like, that, what the fuck? That whole, um, <laughs> that whole plot of just, like, you know, kidnapping children to learn the real meaning of Christmas. I vaguely, I vaguely remember the He-Man Christmas special doing the exact same thing with Skeletor. Yeah, Skeletor learning the true meaning of Christmas. Yeah, I would have to go with that more than this film, actually. Must save the children! <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, 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 so, so, yeah, there are precedent for that, which, again, just like... the, the, the I am actively losing my words, I think. Because it is definitely difficult oh. to rationalise that decision. This is another thing. So coming back to like actual ideas of space and uh -huh. Mars and Martians and just for me, just 
in the beginning completely thrown off by these people who just seem to be human blooming on a different planet. The pills. I've got the kids some pills and roast beef with mashed potatoes. Oh, yeah, because everyone thought that food would be in pill form 100 years from now. Yeah, so you had these kids kidnapped on a spaceship in a room with bunk beds, sitting with Santa Claus being given pills. Right? Like, what the fuck? It's like, it's a kind of thing you could easily see being remade today with someone like David Lynch directing it, and it would somehow be even weirder. Oh, man, it's so bad. My (laughs) favourite bit of the movie, I think, was when they just... They just randomly edited in a bunch of Air Force propaganda. Oh my god, the stock footage in this movie. The stock footage so of the airplane. not actually made for this movie. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 that same footage was used for something like Apocalypse Now or really? yeah, some other very close, it came out within like a year and I think, I think that footage came out first accidentally because the film only took two weeks to make, whereas Apocalypse Now took like whatever. It, 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 it's, it, it's basically the Ed Wood method, where uh, uh, essentially it's just like, okay. You don't know what that is. Should, uh, all right, well, <laughs> no, uh, what is the Ed Wood method? Um, Ed Wood, um, Edward D. Wood Jr., is basically like the prototypical bad filmmaker that everyone watches ironically. Right. Like, and his whole thing was basically that he would get like, r- like reels and reels worth of stock footage. And pretty much like write a movie around their use, uh-huh, right? Uh, uh, and I'm willing to bet that something similar happened here because yeah. it is genuinely kind of pathetic how much the stockage, up to and including the um again with the unintentional thing, almost sexual plane midair refueling scene. That's the one. The refueling yes. scene. It's not yes. a I need to know what it is. Anyway, it's, it's just, and, and, and in the grand scheme of things, that footage being shown, there is no reason for it whatsoever, other no. than the power of the running time. And this thing like barely scrapes eighty minutes. Yeah. Oh, so no, that is one of my favorite bits about it. Was how short it was. But no, no, no. But the 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 show, like the footage of the airplane refueling and of all of that sort of propaganda stuff is very important because it it really brings forward. You know, America. Like, yeah. America's the best. We have Santa Claus, and our children are happy because <laughs> they get toys. And and I wondered whether the Martians, like, they they mentioned the Soviet Union, and I actually loved yes. a bit with the newsreader talking about the Soviet Union's coming out and saying that they hadn't launched anything, and like the UN getting together and cooperating. I loved that because my research really focuses on that sort of thing and that history, and so. Um, then my PhD stuff. And so I was watching this and I was like, oh my God, like this is how 1964, they were explaining to children how it works. And literally it's, we spotted something funky. Like, was it the Soviets? No. Okay. Now we all have to get to the UN and discuss. It's like, yeah, right. it's and, really, and, it's and, really and propaganda. Really, yeah. And that propaganda side of things definitely goes to explain like why the Martians in this movie are the way they are. It's sort of like, Stealing resources, essentially. Mm. Well, like, your culture is so great. Our, our sucks, but yours is great. We're going to take what's yours, which is a little ironic considering the history of capitalism and colonialism and yep. sort of stuff that's been heavily re examined in the decades since, in regards, especially in regards to, to space balloons. Mm. So, yeah, there is definitely that ugly kind of, you know, capitalist, you know, consumerist side of um christmas in fact again to um 
to quote it on Mystery Science Theater 3000's episode on it, when it, it got to the point of, um, you know, Santa going, you know, we haven't missed this, you know, we haven't missed the house yet. And then one of them goes, except for the poor ones. Mm. You know, it's stuff like that. Yes, yes, I, yes, actually. If you are going to watch this film, definitely watch the version with the... Uh, the with the riffing on it. With the riffing. It, it it, not only because it makes the film itself a lot more fun, but also because more people need to... Uh, I would honestly love to be able to get a big group sing-along of have a Patrick Swayze Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I give anything for that opportunity. So if more people see it, then they'll be able to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Dr. Strange you are. Oh, yes, totally. I mean, okay, so initially, right, I was watching this film and I was like, this is shit. It is so shit. And then I was like, it's 1964. Like, maybe films just weren't that good then. Like, maybe there were a couple that were okay, but most of them were really shit. And then I went and looked at movies made in this year and Dr. Strangelove was yeah. made in the same year. And the same year, the same stock footage. So, yeah, I think they came out within a month of each other using the same... You know. The same stock footage. And I was like... Okay, well, no, no this not, film really it's does not just about suck. The times, it's about the people who made it. It really Absolutely. sucks. Great films. Anyway. I did love the um, Professor Werner von Green and his terrible accent that was meant to be German but became French <laughs> throughout. Yeah, I, just, that was great, but it was like it was really interesting because it's that kind of thing of on TV at the time with those Disney shows with Werner von Braun. It was like here's this nice scientist man who's going to explain rockets to you, not he's an ex-Nazi who we've like <laughs> imported to beat the Soviets. And here he was, he appeared like basically the same guy but Werner von Green in this film with the same creepy vibe of where? we're not really talking about where this guy I, came from. Am I the only one who would love to see a movie where Santa Claus teams up with an ex-Nazi scientist to fight Martians? I can't be the only one who wants to see that movie. I mean, if you maybe take some of this true. stock footage of this film and reshuffle it, you could get that movie. Totally. Uh, the robot? Uh, uh, oh, you mean the um, the kid's costume of a... Yeah. The, the homemade <laughs> costume of a robot. Like, 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 even at the time, that really... Bizarre. Right. They were like, oh, we'll have a polar bear. And then after the polar bear, they were like, that's not scary enough. We'll have this, like, guy wearing a cardboard box and covered in alfoil. <laughs> what I reckon happened was, you have this polar bear, oh, crap, we spent all the budget on this suit. <laughs> Put something together for the robot. Yeah, it's like... Has anyone received an appliance lately? We need a cardboard box about this big. <laughs> It was it was so much like the costumes that I used to wear to school yeah, for like yeah. book parades and Which stuff. Did for the book parade. I I and it was exactly like the Women's Weekly cookbook robot cake. Yeah. As well. <laughs> no, Which made like, me wonder, was this the first robot of that kind? I doubt that would have been the case if only because I think like um Robbie the Robot from like Lost in Space and the entire precedes this. I okay. think it precedes Maybe this. Just, but yeah. Okay. All right. I think we might have. I think we've kind of this. exhausted it. Yeah. Any any sum ups? I mean, would you would you recommend the movie? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, I I'd recommend this for like maybe for bad movie night. It could be a good pick. Or if you're a little interested in seeing like what I guess like the new wave of film critics came up from, definitely check out the MSC three K episode. If you're a time poor mum, don't. Well, but even when it comes to like you know that level of kitsch there are better films to watch yes. to get your dosage definitely like like it doesn't have the sort of immediate just like the, there's no way i'm gonna forget that i watched this in a hurry 
uh, like what was it? The extra- the incredibly strange creatures who got turned into mixed up zombies or some incredibly long title like that again, another MST three K thing. Right. But beyond that, aside from stuff like Dropo being Dropo mm-hmm. and the laughing scene, there isn't that much that really springs to mind in terms of like, oh yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. I wish I didn't, but I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I'd just skip Personally. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably skip it too. I mean, if you want to see something with dodgy bulges, you may as well go see cats, really. Or labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm not I'm not unhappy I saw it. Um, but, it's an experience. But I would never watch it again. No, that's it's fair. Not a, re- not a rewatch, I definitely. Yeah. That's more than fair. <laughs> okay, I think let's take a quick um, water break before we get on to Interstellar. You've been listening to Space Junk. If you enjoyed this podcast, head over to Kane and Tal's regular podcast, Movies with Kane and Tal. You can also find them on Twitter as at Movies with Kane and Tal. Kane and Tal will be back on Space Junk Pod next week as we tackle Interstellar. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.